I'm Polly. I'm a mom, a wife, a pelvic floor physical therapist, and founder of No Kegels University. I have helped thousands of women stop leaking, enjoy intimacy, and feel proud of their bodies, even after having kids. After years of listening to women wonder why no one talks about leaking, how they should properly recover after having a baby, and that pleasurable intimacy is possible, I started to get real frustrated because I believe that no mom or woman should struggle when there are answers. It became my mission to shed light on the lack of postpartum care and the lack of discussion on issues that relate to women and their health, even if they can be uncomfortable sometimes. It also became my mission to change the conversation on women's health, the pelvic floor, and more. Here we go. Episode 71, how to choose a pelvic floor physical therapist. This is an episode that I have been asked to produce, um, a topic that I get asked quite a bit, especially as I have friends and family all over the country, or even some of my own patients will um, move other places. And so they always want to know, well, how do I choose somebody else? How do I choose somebody like you? What should I be looking for? And those types of um, pieces of information or, or questions that they could be asking. And so that is where today's episode is going to come into play is what to look for in a pelvic floor PT. Now I'm going to preface this that each pelvic floor PT, we all go to physical therapy school the same. The curriculum is probably very similar. Um, things are changing a little bit now compared to how they used to be. Now I've been hearing that there actually is a lot more time spent on the pelvic floor, spent on women's health and the various topics that go along with it, which I'm super grateful to know that these changes are coming into play because when I was in school, we had a two hour lecture that covered all women's health topics. And that is a very long list. It wasn't just the pelvic floor. In fact, I do remember um, in <laughs> our anatomy our anatomy lecture, our professor, and I won't share his name um, because I know he's still working there, but he was referencing, I just remember the slide had popped up and it had a list of all um, uh, the pelvic floor muscles and he said yeah well you can you can just read through these on your own and uh, you won't be tested on them and uh, alright moving to the next slide it was very very brief and I remember thinking huh that was very quick because we had spent all this time on other on all these other muscle groups and their origins and attachments and innervations like what nerves and anyways there's a whole thing but that being said our curriculum is is, is semi-similar and, and it has to be in order for us to pass the boards. Now, where this starts to look different for each um, pelvic floor PT is the types of courses that they take and the types of mentors that they have and the continuing education courses that they take. And some of us, um, I remember early on in my career, I was pretty limited as to what courses I could take. So I, I do remember feeling like, oh, I want to learn more. I feel like I could be doing a better job. Um, but when you're fresh out of school and you don't have a ton of money to put towards some of these courses, it just makes it a little bit hard. 
and pretty restrictive. But there is such thing as the internet and so that is one area. If you've heard my story when I started diving in like why kegels don't work um, and when I came up with the No Kegels University Method, that was around that same time because I felt so limited that these courses weren't teaching me in a way for me to be super effective with my patients out the gate. Now, someone could say, well, Polly, you were, you were a new grad and you were a new physical therapist, you needed time. Maybe, but that was not, that's never been my personality. I've always been very driven, but I also, also have always been very mindful that I wanted to do a dadgum good job for my patients. And so that being said, the types of courses that a pelvic floor PT can take can vary. There are a couple of bigger institutions that a lot of us are taking courses from. Um, Herman and Wallace is a really big one and I think they do a pretty good job at, at you know really helping you get started as a practicing uh, pelvic floor physical therapist. And there's some other ones as well, but Herman and Wallace is probably um, the biggest at the time of this and you can even use that um, uh, the website is uh, www.pelvicrehab.com I'll include that in the show notes as well where you can go look for a provider and typically they will have taken some of those courses so I think that's one of the first things that I'll that I'll say is that they that whoever you see should have some sort of training it unfortunately is an option for someone to come out of school and or just decide to start treating the pelvic floor without having any training. Now, while that's well within the scope of practice, I find that there is a lot of issues with that in the sense of this is an area that is, that the whole world does not have access to, right? Like somebody coming out of school and treating your elbow versus someone coming out of school and treating your pelvic floor, I think is two totally different things. Because the way in which I ask permission and gain con and ask for consent to treat the pelvic floor is very, very different than how I would ask someone to, you know, begin treating their elbow. And so I think that that's an important piece to um, tuck away. Not that, um, not that somebody couldn't do a good job, but again, these are just some of my own opinions and I am pretending that you are a good friend of mine and I'm telling you this is what I would look for. So I think having some sort of training, so using the Herman and Wallace Rehab, it's a directory, pelvicrehab.com, that can be a really great useful tool. Now, here is where I am probably going to probably differ on many, is that I think that the skill set of this therapist that we're looking for, I think it personally needs to be very wide. If you are only doing dry needling and you're not really use, utilizing a lot of other tools, I think that's a that's a huge limiting factor, and I'll tell you why here in a moment. Um, if someone is only doing kegels, besides my strong opinion about kegels, I I think that they need there needs to be more. If they're only like sending you home with exercises and that's it, they're not like you know putting their hands on you or doing different modalities. I personally think that that's an issue, and here's why: the pelvis is I like to call it Grand Central Station because there is so many things happening there. We have over 80 muscles that attach there. The pelvis is what decides where our load goes and transfers the force and the tension in different places. And so if we are just giving someone exercises to get their pelvic floor stronger or treat whatever issue they're coming in for, and that's it, I find that they're probably missing a lot of different pieces that are playing into that particular person's 
story, their issues that they're having, their symptoms that they're having, the, the struggles that they're having. I think that they need to have more. I also think that um, treating someone, well, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. I don't think someone needs to be able to always treat internally. Um, I think they also need to be able to, to treat externally as well. So what I mean internally, like internally, vaginally or rectally um, or externally. Now, while there are a lot of very skilled therapists out there who treat the pelvic floor externally, I do think it's helpful, maybe not quite necessary all the time, assuming that per that PT has a large, large skill set, um, lots of modalities, lots of um, manual therapy skills and various things that they can use. But I do think having someone that can help you um, treat your pelvic floor internally that has experience there, I do think that that is really helpful. Now, earlier I said I think it's a problem that someone only uses one thing because I, again, I've been doing this for over 13 years and I will say that not everybody responds to the same modality, the same treatment, the same technique, the same. There have been many times that I'll start working with the patient and notice right away, man, they are not responding like I would assume they would. Okay, chances are this is probably not the, the method that we should be using for any length of time. Let's try something different. And lo and behold, I pull another bag or another trick out of one of my, my bags of how to help this person and there they are. They are starting to improve. And so if I only had one skill set that I rely on all the time and I am always going back to that one thing, that I think is very problematic. And I think that for a lot of different reasons. Number one, as a patient, you are trusting this particular provider to help you. And if they are now outside their scope of practice or maybe they've reached the limits of how they can help you and they are unable to come up with something else to help you with, they should, depending on how they wanna state it, but they should refer you on to somebody else or get another opinion to ensure that you as the patient are getting the best care. And that is something that I see quite a bit. In fact, this last week, I have had four women reach out to me and say, I was going to see someone and all they have done is dry needling. They haven't hardly given me any exercises. They haven't worked on my back pain like I asked them to. They haven't, anyways, that's one gal. Another gal was also having dry needling done and it just was creating pain and pain and pain, which leads, which will lead me to another um, piece that I would look for here in a pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, I had another gal who called and said, well, all they d would do is give me kegels and it's not working. And I told them that and they said, well, you must not be doing a good job. Go back, go home and do more of them. And, <laughs> I kind of struggle with that, with that opinion and, and advice there. And, um, the fourth one, she said that she would go in and she'd get work done by the pelvic floor PT for like five or 10 minutes and then would see an aide, someone who is not trained at all in physical therapy, who's just there to assist in the clinic. And then they would run through exercises and she's like, it felt very similar to the person next to me who had knee pain. So those are four different examples that happened this week. Now they were calling me to ask what my approach is and, and, and how I would, I would treat them or other ideas that we could look at. And that is where, in my opinion, if you don't have someone that doesn't have a long laundry list of modalities or skill sets to help you, 
I feel like you could run into, could run into some issues um, soon right out the gate. So the one gal who was experiencing a lot of pain with dry needling, she said, I don't really know if it's working. I have been going for four or three, three, almost three months, um, one to two times a week and she's not getting any better and she is in more pain every time that she leaves. To me, that signals that the plan needs to change. I personally do not believe that you need to be in pain after you leave. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh wow, this is, this is pretty, I, that, that feels exactly like me. Our, our job is to help get you better. And so we need, in my opinion, I think that we need to be able to be cognizant that we can, you know, take a step back and analyze the entire situation and say, you're right. You're having a lot more pain. You're really struggling. You're not making progress. Let's take a step back and let's come up with a different plan and go from there. Um, so I think that's something that you should look for in a therapist who's willing to be analytical and to be thoughtful and to be mindful of what you're going through. I also think um, one of the, the gals that contacted me this week who had asked about dry needling, she said, well, it, I'm just, I'm getting frustrated because I keep asking them, okay, I, I can see maybe that the dry needling is working, but I'm having back pain and we haven't even talked about it. And they'll, and they, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what their response was, but I, they just, she said, I felt very dismissed, like, well, and she said, it just made me wonder, can I, can they even help me? Or is it just part of the plan? But I just, I feel like they're not hearing me when I'm saying my back pain is the biggest thing that I want help with. And I, I think that's, again, another characteristic that you should look for is someone who's going to listen to you. You are taking your time and your efforts and your money and giving that to this you know, uh, this physical therapist. And I think that it's one of those things where, well, at least in the way I should say that I interpret it as I consider it a really big responsibility that you are trusting me to take care of you. And I'm going to do everything I possibly can to change up the plan if we need to, if we need to, you know, in, introduce something different, or I need to go home and study and come up with something, you know, a different plan. That's what we should be doing. Um, so that's th that's another piece that I would look for. And then one of those one of the gals that contacted me just recently said that she was with the pelvic floor PT for just a little bit, and then um, she was left with somebody else. Uh, while that could be that that could be helpful to me, I think seeing uh, your therapist for only ten minutes and then doing then doing exercises for the rest of the time, I. I'd have to, you know, really kind of know the situation to, to come up with a good reason why that could work. Um, but I think that, again, going back to that pelvis, having a whole load of tools in your toolbox to help you help the patient, I think that's important to have. And again, appearances only, that particular situation, I, I, I felt like there could have been more done. And then the gal who um, was just sent home to do kegels and then when she said it wasn't working, they, it, to me it sounded like, or at least the way that she told that story to me, to me it felt like they were blaming her for it and said she needed to go home and do a better job. Now, I, again, th these are really great examples of not having a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. I think that that's important. Now I realize not all clinics and business models allow for a ton of one-on-one -on -one time, but I do think that that's very, very vital. Another piece that, that came up in some of these examples of these women that contacted me this last week um, was just being sent home to do exercises. Rather than, I, I mean, 
I don't know that patient very well and so it's it's hard to say like what I would have done different but if a patient came to me and said this isn't working I'm frustrated or you know express some concern or maybe even distrust of me I would I would definitely welcome that because I would want them to feel like they can come to me because I'm on their team and hopefully they trust me enough to help them reach their goal. And if they come to me frustrated, that tells me a few things. Number one, they maybe don't understand why we're doing said thing. Now, I don't really agree that they sent this gal home to do exercises, um, but it's not what we're debating here. Um, I just, you know, how, how it was handled. And while we are very busy, <laughs> um, you know, medical professionals, it still shouldn't, in my opinion, take away the time for you as the patient to really understand what we're doing and why. So I've had this before where patients have come to me and they've been frustrated, like, I'm not getting better, I'm not doing this. And I'll say, okay, I'm so glad you came to me, let's figure this out. And so I will go back to the beginning and ask them a lot of questions to kind of figure out where maybe some of that misunderstanding came from. Maybe I didn't do a very good job that day. Maybe that was one of the days that my little boy did not sleep and I probably didn't show up as my best that day. The chances are very high that that's, that that's a possibility. So I, I think it's one of those things to, you know, to take a step back and ensure that you as the patient that you'll really understand what I'm having you do, why I'm having you do it, and, 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 and that you're seeing progress. And I know sometimes progress can be slow. I, I, I absolutely get that, but I also understand um, because I, my own clinic, I'm a cash pay clinic, so you are paying me cash. We are not working with insurances. For me, I feel a little bit of a stronger pull, a stronger need for you to see progress at the end of each visit. And that is one of my personal goals. I don't typically say, I promise that you will feel better at least a little bit by the end of this visit. I don't ever promise anyone that, but that is my personal standard. And that is why I like to have a big, large bag of tools in my toolbox, if you will, to be able to help these patients of mine so that they are seeing change here and so that they can see that and or understand part of what we're doing and why we're doing it so they're not walking away frustrated. Because if you're frustrated, what are the chances that you keep coming back and get the help you need and deserve? Probably low. If you are frustrated and you're not making progress, what are the chances you're actually gonna do what I'm asking you to do? Probably very low, right? And so it's one of those things where I think one of the characteristics of a great pelvic floor PT, any PT or provider for that case, is that they are invested in your progress. You're not just another number to them. You're not just another person. You're not just helping them make their mortgage payment. And that is what I would, you know, take a look at and just really see. I think most PTs are in a position where you can have a quick chat with them for five to 10 minutes where you can kind of get a sense of who they are, how they like to treat, what's their philosophy. In fact, I recommend that quite a bit because there are different personalities. I have been told before that, Polly, you have way too much energy, you talk way too fast, and great. Yes, I'm very passionate about what I do. And there, I have had some patients that have asked me to, to tone down my energy, totally fine. And I, I know that I have probably lost patients because I'm energetic and I am happy and I am like, let's fix this, let's do this, let's you know get you the results you want. And there's other people who just really want to go slow and take a lot of time. 
you and I, if, if you're that person or they are that person, it probably would not be a great fit. Now I can take my time, but I also feel a moral responsibility and an obligation to give you what I, you know, what I can to help you get better faster. And so besides having a big toolbox and being understanding and listening and being mindful and being really just careful of your feelings, because I think if you don't have someone who is mindful and careful of your feelings, especially in this particular job or this setting, I should say, I personally would question if that is a good fit for that person. I am here to tell you that I end up, and because of HIPAA, I'm bound by that. I'm not sharing any of that information, but I have been told a lot of sensitive information. And I take, again, I take great responsibility and in knowing that, okay, that I have created this situation or environment where they feel like they can tell me this. Part of it does end up coming up in conversation as they're, you know, they're, they're talking about some of their symptoms. Because this is such an intimate area, it also, there's a lot of intimate stories that come along with it. Private stories, sensitive stories, you know, trauma and pieces about their marriage and, and just pieces about their life. And I try really hard to be very sensitive and to be mindful of that because I, th there's been many occasions where they have shared with me, Polly, you are the only person that knows about this besides, you know, the other person they're in, they're in this situation with. And I, I think that's something where as a provider, you should take great responsibility and care. I've said that like probably three times and I'm going to keep saying that because I, I just think that it's very different than you coming to see me for knee pain. Yeah, my knee hurts, but it, it's very different than I'm having pain with intimacy and I think my marriage might be over if we can't get this solved. Those types of things. That, that That's a very different level of understanding and compassion. And while I don't understand entirely, I've been doing this for over 13 years. I've had lots of women come to me and be in that scenario. And that that's just again, part of one of the characteristics I would look for is someone who is caring and feels like a safe space for you. Um, which is why I recommend if you can have like a five, 10 minute phone chat with them, or if they put out any content online that you can kind of see who they are and what they're about. And if you think that you, that you guys would be a good fit for each other. And the last thing that I want to add here is that, um, you see progress with them. I think there's a lot of things I could say. I could, I could say that I think that you need to feel comfortable with them, which you know kind of solves that having the conversation with them. I think you need to trust them. They need to be trustworthy. You know, do they have integrity? But I but here's the other thing that I will say is that I think that you need to see results with them. That is something that I have seen time and time again, and I, I think seeing having res creating results for a patient is going to establish a level of trust. And again, this is all in my opinion. And I think because I have had so many patients come to me and I've had stories, like I said, last week, I've had those, those four gals that reached out and shared their experiences with other PTs that just really, I guess to some, de some degree frustrated me. Now that's not to say that I am imperfect and I, er, yeah, that I am perfect and that I am doing a really good job every single time. But I will tell you this, I try my darndest to do a very good job every single time. And if I don't, then I really want to make sure that I'm making it up to that person. 
and it, and saying, okay, well, let's let give me one more shot and let's see what we can get done. Again, that's where that my bag of tricks comes into play. What can I pull out of that bag to help this person see some change? Because I have had, and and I'm trying I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Maybe I should have wrote that down. But I had someone come to me and she was being seen two to three times a week for three months and not having any change. And there was another gal who was seeing someone for nine months and like almost once a week, once every other week or so, not seeing any change. And I just personally think that again, maybe that wasn't a good fit. And like I said, maybe I'm not a good fit for everyone either. But I think it's one of those things that um, while it's helpful to have a referral from a friend or a family member, I also think it matters how you and that particular person um, get along and how you view them, their integrity. And, you know, do they have the results? Do they have a large bag of tools and tricks to pull out to help you? And are they going to help you get to your goal? I've seen this quite a bit um, in the physical therapy world where patients will keep coming um, just kind of for social hour. And if that's your goal, totally fine. That's totally fine. But I also think that um, physical therapists are really great people. They're, they, they just are. And it's enjoyable to sit and have someone, you know, like have that one-on-one -on -one attention and to be able to chat. But I also think that it's important that Yes, that's great that you're getting along with them, but are they helping you reach their goals? Are they aware of what your goals are? And again, that comes back to, are they helping you with those outcomes? Or are you getting where you need to go? And like I said in the beginning of this particular episode, these are my opinions. And I should have even prefaced this to say that these are some of my opinions based on what I have experienced as a patient before at physical therapist's office, um, what I have seen in my um, experience all over the country. I was fortunate enough to have rotations literally all over the country and I have had lots of experience working with other physical therapists and clinics and the a lot of this is is where I had seen patient frustration and where I'm currently seeing patient frustration where patients are coming to me to you know just to, to have that second opinion which I don't think there's anything wrong in getting a second opinion to be quite honest with you. Now Typically we get a second opinion if the first one feels kind of off or, or what have you. But I think at the end of the day, you need to remember that it's your body. You're the one giving permission to this person. You're the one who's trusting, should be trusting this person. You're the one who is writing them a check or your insurance or however it's working. And I think you, you are the one that matters here. And I think that that is a, a consideration that maybe sometimes we forget. Maybe we just go somewhere because the doctor told us to, which is a great, can sometimes be a great advice, but if it's not a good fit and you're going there just because your doctor told you, that's where I can, that's where, you know, if I was in your shoes, if I went somewhere that the doctor told me to and I wasn't happy, I for sure would be speaking up about it because it's my body, it's my health, it's my goals and my money and I should be able to, to you know, look somewhere else to get the results that I want. So with that, my hope is that this gives you some different things to look for. And even if it's not for a pelvic floor PT, is it for another physical therapist? Is it for a doctor? Is it for a dentist? The, some of these same things, these same characteristics, these same 
ideas to look for can be applied to a lot of that as well because in the healthcare world we are all people too and your personality is probably very different than mine and we may not mesh well and that's all right and I just want to give you permission for you to to maybe just take some responsibility is not the word but just to take some um, active participation in choosing who gets to help you and what and that question in it or that phrase in itself who gets to help you one of the um i'll end with this but in my um interview at creighton university where i went to physical therapy school and they were ranked top 10 in the country the year that i was accepted and um they had asked us in our some of our one-on-one one-on-one interviews was as a provider working with a patient is it a privilege or is it a right and i remember we and there was actually like a panel interview so i was sitting on a panel with a bunch of other um gals and every it was interesting to hear what some of them said some of them said a right some of them said it was a privilege and i remember when it came time for mine and for my turn to answer and i remember i got emotional and that legitimately is who I am. I get emotional about things that really touch my heart. And I said, you know, I really think it's a privilege because they don't have to work with us, right? Like they have to give consent to work with us. And while, you know, you know, anyone could just could help this person, we, we are in this position. We are um, a humble servant, if you will. And that's a reference to a literary thing, not an actual servant. Um, but I, I felt very strongly that it was a privilege, um, because you are coming to me for advice and you are looking up to me as the expert to help you. And I consider that a privilege to be in this situation where you're coming to me to ask for help. Because while I view myself as a sister, a mother, a wife, a friend, very much like you, Yes, I have gone and I have studied and I have worked and I have put myself in this position, but I do consider that a privilege to be able to help you. And that is my heart. That's, that's exactly my heart as a physical therapist. And it's one that I, that I take very seriously and I love doing it. There's a reason that I leave my two kiddos um, to go help women so that they can return back to the life that they want and deserve. And so with that, if this interests you at all in your local, I'll put a link in the description below. I'm also going to put a link for you to look for a, you know, a pelvic floor PT in your area and you can start the, dare I say, interview process, but it, you know, at least the search. And if I can help in any way, please don't hesitate to fill out the Your Pelvic Floor or Cores Next Step form and I will send you back a personal personalized recommendation for you and be sure to check out some of the offerings from no kegels university and that will also be in the show notes below so remember you're an heiress and a queen and everything in between see you in the next one if you enjoyed this episode or even wondered if i can help you check the show notes for more details and to see what else i'm up to follow me on the socials at beyond the v period by Polly. Because I'm changing the conversation on women's health, the pelvic floor, and more, I still need your help. Please subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend or two. See you next week.